Blog Talk Radio. This is a new dimension in sound. From Cavalier Basketball. LeBron watching with seven, with six, with five. Who else but LeBron? LeBron to the circle, on loads. Got it! I think he prefers game to Indians baseball. One in and belted. Sidney Clough. Browns football. Back in the pocket. Steps up, goes into the end zone. Up high, Traylon Edwards up, got it, touchdown! This is the WaitingForNextYear.com podcast. Everybody, this is Craig. Wait, welcome to the Waiting for Next Year dot com podcast. Tonight we are uh, talking tribe. Um, we've got lots of lots and lots of stuff to talk about because it seems like the Indians are, you know, we knew they were waving the white flag. Now they're trading away the whole team. Uh, well, tonight I've got uh, a couple of guests. Only one here so far. Um, TD is on the line with me. Uh, I assume you have some thoughts to get us started off with, huh, TD? Oh, Craig, first of all, it's good to be with you as always. Uh, I, I got lots going on, I got to tell you. So, Tribe fans, everyone's ready to jump down Larry Dolan's throat, jump down March Pyro's throat, jump down Eric Wedge's throat continuously. But uh, you know what? I, I, I got a, a couple things to say. Uh, first and foremost, let, let, let's let's discuss the uh, specifics of the Cliff Lee trade. Okay, so you're trading your second straight Cy Young Award winner uh, in Cliff Lee, uh, another left-hander to add for the Phillies, and uh, arguments uh, of who we got, not good enough, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so you're getting the, the uh, 18-year-old pitcher um, and Jason Knapp who throws 99 miles an hour, and, uh, you know, who knows what he's like. You're, he's in low A with a two and seven record, uh, but he does have over a hundred strikeouts or over 110 strikeouts in 85 innings, which is impressive. But for an 18 year old guy, he's the centerpiece of the trade. You know, who knows what you're going to get there? Then you got Jason Donald at second base, uh, shortstop, who probably uh, he's hit three over 300 in each of his minor league seasons up until this year. But the main problem is uh, with him, he already got his Drupal Cabrera as your sh- shortstop of the future. Luis Albuena most likely is going to be the second baseman of the future. Donald mostly probably is going to project out to be a middle infielder, uh, uh, backup middle infielder, utility guy, kind of like your new Jamie Carroll. And then uh, uh, you're getting catcher Lou Marson. I have no idea if they're going to keep him or not. Adding another catcher in the stable when you got – uh, uh, Torres in, in AAA, you still got Victor Martinez, which you don't know how much longer you're going to have him. You got the catcher of the future in Carlos Santana that they've been telling us about for a couple of years. And then uh, and, and Chris Jimenez as well. So there's a lot going on there, the catching position. And uh, then you get the fourth piece, the most important piece, who's probably the most going to be closest is 22-year-old right-hander Carlos Carrasco, who at this time uh, last year at the All-Star break, was pitching in the Futures game. It was the jewel of the Philly system. And now Carlos Carrasco was a throw, looks like a throw-in in the deal. Uh, he's struggling in AAA with an ERA over five. But this could be a change of scenery kind of guy. It's, it's uh, you know, still 22 years old. So 
you know, I'm not sure what you're going to, what you're going to see out of him, but he'll be battling for a rotation spot. So how does that help you now? It doesn't. The reality is, in this market, you have to capitalize uh, when you can and collect young players when you can. The Indians were not winning this year, and uh, looks like the Dolans and Shapiros were, were willing to give up on next year, too, which isn't going to make anybody happy. But they had to capitalize on that now. Close value is probably never going to be higher than it is, and that's what they're going to tell you. So you got to trade them now. As for what they're going to do with Victor, that's another question. Is uh, King Diesel, are you there? By chance? No, he's he's actually not okay. there. Um, but okay, I thought I thought I heard a a, a crack, but so Craig, you there? So they yeah, they, so they they basically sold off this year. We already gave up this year, but essentially, don't you think by making that trade when they did and not keeping Cliff Lee till his actual contract year, they've they've given up next year too, right? Yeah, I mean that's the shame of it all. I mean, how are you gonna how are you gonna sell tickets for next year when you've basically waved the the white flag and said, okay, we had a guy who was still in con- on contract for a year and a half and a manageable nine million dollar number and who was the ace of the staff and who you could count on most likely to to give you you know seven eight innings every time out and really stabilize the rotation. That guy's gone now. Next year, who's your who's your number one star next year? Fausto? Who who know who knows what Fausto Carmona is going to give you? Carl Bovano is not going to be around next year. I like Aaron Laffey a lot, but he's a he's a number three starter. Um, you know, again, you don't know what you're going to get from Fausto. Jake Westbrook, again, that's another guy. You don't know what you're going to get from him. I think he's very consistent, but. Uh, Jake is, you know, he's still a number three, number four starter, and and I do love Jake, but he he is what he is. He's still a number number three starter. Uh, I, you, know, you can't count on Carlos Carrasco. You have no idea what you're going to get from him. I, I've seen all I need to see it with Jeremy Sowers. Um, David Huff, again, nice young pitcher, but is he really a top of the rotation guy? That's that's the main problem. You don't have any top of the rotation guys. Hector Rondon, uh, the the young prospect who's probably the best young pitching prospect the Indians have, who's now up in, in AAA uh, Columbus, he's got the best shot of being a top-of-the-rotation guy. But the problem with Rondon is he, he's still young. You have no idea what he's going what, what to be like. And so that's what kind of troubles me with, with in, in the lead trade. I would have, I mean, obviously they weren't going to give us Kyle Drabeck because if they weren't going to give Toronto him for Roy Halladay, they certainly weren't going to give him up for Cliff Lee. Or or Jay Happ, who's a who's a nice pitcher. He's already up in the majors. Uh, he, I think he's seven and one right now with the Phillies. So, nah, yeah, it's, it's very frustrating. I mean, I've already had, and I wrote this in my piece today. I'm in a ticket group with a bunch of people, and I had two people call me and say, "I want out next year." I've thrown it in. You know, they, they don't they don't want to prove to me that they can win, and I want out. Well. I bleed red, white, and blue. I'm not giving in like that, Craig. Just like my manager, I never give in to the fight. <laughs> well, and the, the funny thing is, though, that, you know, they – so Mark Shapiro comes out in his press conference and he says it's not a salary dump. And meanwhile, you know, if, if Philly wasn't ready to give away a single major league-ready player, then why would he make the trade? How could it not be categorized as a salary dump? How could it not look like that to the Cleveland fans? Well, I think he's he's lying, first of all. And, 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 again, I wrote this in my piece today. There is zero chance that you can sit there and tell me that this is not a salary dump. Because the, here's the bottom line, okay? This organization is bleeding money. They don't have any. The, if, if Shapiro would have come out yesterday and said, look, 
here's the reality. We stretched ourselves to an $82 million payroll because we thought we could contend. We're not contending. We, haven't been, we, we stumbled out of the gate. Our attendance is way down, which means we don't have the revenues. We don't have people buying uh, the merchandise. In September, uh, the rest, August and September are going to be a ghost town here. We have no choice. We cannot afford to keep these expensive players. And Cliff at $7 million and $9 million next year, $8 million and $9 million next year is a luxury we just can't afford. I would rather have him be honest and say, look, it's the economics. We can't afford it. Then give us this. This isn't a salary dump routine because, come on, who's going to believe that? And it's just, I mean, again, it's very, very frustrating. But you know what? If uh, in 2002 when you traded Bartolo Colon for a bunch of people you've never heard of before, I don't think it it, it was the same reaction in this town. Everybody was freaking out. How can they do this? The Dolans are cheap, yada, yada, yada. Meanwhile, you got, if it weren't for Eric Wedge running out of town, running Brandon Phillips out of town, you would have traded for three all-star players. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Lou Marson and Jason Donald and and, uh, uh, Carrasco and Jason Knapp are all that type of uh, caliber of a prospect and will be – all-stars, but certainly it's not out of the realm of possibility that one or two of them they could hit big on, which is what I'm, they're hoping for out of Matt Laporta and Michael Brantley also. But on top of that, uh, that's, I'm very frustrated with, with one thing in particular. You've got to get major league-ready talent, someone who's going to come up and play right away. You've dumped now two back, back-to-back Cy Young Award winners, and you here we are a year later after trading CC. neither – no, you had four players. None of them are with the major league club, and, and that's, you basically trade your two chips for eight guys who we haven't seen play yet. So that's a little aggravating, to say the least. Yeah, we we end up with a, a at least a, a two year waiting period, if not three, before there's any chance of this team contending again. And and meanwhile, you know this, these were supposed to be the glorious years. You know these were the years we were aiming for when we made that first trade and committed to the first rebuild, you know, the, the, the streak is long gone, and it, it's not coming back, that sellout streak. That sellout streak is an, is an anomaly. It's something will, that will never happen again. You, you, you know what? The 90s were, were literally, it was, they said this before, Shapiro said this, and I totally agree. It was the perfect storm. You had a, a Cavs team that was basically the worst in the NBA. You had no Browns. You had the booming economy and a brand new stadium and you had an owner who paid next to nothing for the franchise and was now watching his team grow and grow and grow and was able to throw big money at it and free agents wanted to come here and uh, they were winning consistently winning and they were also homegrown prospects Albert Bell was a homegrown prospect Jim Tomey was a homegrown prospect uh, you know the list goes on and on they were really developing players well um, one thing I will say in Shapiro's defense with these trades, the best work he's done certainly isn't in his draft picks. His drafts have been atrocious. But Shinsu Chu came over uh, as a player to be named later for um, Ben Broussard. Uh, you got Azrubal Cabrera for Eduardo Perez. I mean, those, uh, he got Hafner uh, for Ryan Dries and Einar Diaz. Um, you know, you got Grady Sizemore in the Bartolo trade. I mean, really, and, and Cliff Lee in the Bartolo trade. Really, the, the, the work he's done is via the trade. So, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll hit. Maybe Michael Brantley and Matt Laporta are this good. My, my, my concern is that 
they, they get up here and they play. I don't understand why Laporta, you know, you and I have talked at length uh, over email about this. They brought up Matt Laporta, and they let him sit and rot. He was playing two days a week while that moron David DeLucci got to play every single day, uh, which made absolutely no sense to me. You see right now with the White Sox, they're in a pennant race. They got a, they got a veteran team around. They bring up Gordon Beckham, their number one pick from last year. You think Ozzie Guillen sits Gordon Beckham three, four days a week? No, he plays every single day, and he's growing, and he's getting better, and he's, he's infused some of his, you know, the youth and energy in that team, and it's working for them. When we bring up our young players, it seems like it's a last-ditch, oh, we'll play from there, and that's about it, and, and that's, that's very aggravating to me. So I don't know where we go from here. About the only thing that I can think of with the whole Laporta situation is that they're – doing everything they can to keep from him getting any of that Eric Wedge stink on him. Like maybe they just think they just need to keep him away from Eric Wedge so that he doesn't turn into the next failed prospect. Um, I mean, do, you think, do you think that Wedge, I mean, has an aver- I mean, do you think he has an aversion to these young, young guys? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, how could you not think that? If you, you see the, the way his rosters develop, uh, and, and, and it's not even so much an aversion to just young players. The, the other problem is he has an aversion to, to or not an aversion, he just he insists on tinkering. I mean, we, the, the way we grew up watching baseball, it was a predictable lineup night in and night out, you know, with occasional guys sitting. But it, it never seems that a wedge lineup is going to look the same from, from one week to the next. And some of that's injury, and I, I'm willing to, to concede that. But even when the team's relatively healthy, he seems to be all over the map, don't you think? I do. Uh, he, you know, the, the wedge way is multiple position eligibility. He's like a fantasy. He's like, I play fantasy baseball. And the thing I love the most is guys like Mark DeRosa because they can play second, third, first, and outfield for me. But you know what? This isn't fantasy baseball. <laughs> he yeah. changes the, he said, you could have done a contest this year and said, okay, I'm going to get, you can guess nine guys in, in order in their batting order and where they're going to be in the lineup. Uh, uh, or, or where are they going to be in the field? And if you get it right, we'll give you free tickets to a game. That's what the Indians should have done. Yeah, and, and actually I'm going to interrupt now because I'm, I'm back here in front of the switchboard and we've got uh, King Diesel here. Let me see if I can get him up. And uh, okay. you should be up right there. Are you there, King Diesel? Gentlemen, how are you? Good. Hey, Diesel, how are we doing? Tell, tell everybody we're, we're, where you're we're, from. We're, uh, we're grinding. <laughs> where, where are you from? King Diesel, where, where are you from? And I'm not talking about Cleveland. <laughs> uh, I'm in the state of Michigan right now. No, I know that. What do you represent, my friend? What what site? Oh, you oh check us. Uh, you can obviously read our blog, the uh, Bench Bench Ben Francisco blog, which needs a new name. Uh, at the uh, Dump Casey Blake dot com, and we had a little um, boycott after Francisco had another horrible week, and now that Ben's gone, uh, we're back and active. Beautiful. Uh, any ideas for the new name? Yeah, you know, we, we discussed a few things. I know you and Craig were talking about the team. Uh, uh, possibly Jettison, Je- Jeremy Sowers. Uh, <laughs> we've also uh, discussed um, uh, something something with Kelly Shopik. Maybe, uh, you know, sit, sit down Shopik. Uh, we'll figure something out. There's a co- there are a couple of 4A scrub dogs on this team that still remain, unfortunately, that you hope for at least the rest of July, August, and September they don't see the light of day, and 
and other other guys get an opportunity. And I, I agree with what TD was saying before about about young players because I I am a wedge backer, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense when you know Matt Laporta hits a home run in Toronto and then the next day isn't in the lineup. That does, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And you know it's pretty obvious that the organization wants him at first base and that he's the future there. Uh, if they're not bringing him up right now today or yesterday for that matter to play left field now that Francisco's gone thank goodness then uh, it's obvious he's the first baseman of the future and this whole season has been handled very poorly and and unfortunately I I think for the most part uh, this crew this you know uh, you know Wedgiro or uh, you know whatever you want to call it uh, Wedge Shapiro marriage for for the most part has, has done a decent job in being organized but this year's just been all over the map it's an it's an interesting season to say the least. I mean, I, I'm obviously as disappointed as I could possibly be. Um, you, you know, you come in. That, that that's the main problem that that we have with Eric Wedge is April and May every single year we seem to be the hot team. Everybody loves us. Uh, you know, we're picked to win the World Series by John Crook. Uh, uh, Peter Gammons picks us to win the Central as usual. Um, but you know what? April and May they stumble out of the gate. Uh, these, is that something that you think is is a uh, problem with Wedge? Do you think it's the players? What, what do you attribute that to? Well, obviously the most pressure is at the beginning of the season. To me. Uh, to get off to a good start. I mean, if you bury yourself early enough, we saw it last year with the Detroit Tigers, we saw it a few years ago uh, with the White Sox, and now with the Indians this year, you you bury yourself early enough, you're not going to be able to dig out of it, even in this just putrid division. So, you know, this team just, you know, absolutely buried itself from day one and had a hard time getting out of the – it's hard to get out of a hole when you're as banged up as the team was, especially with pitching, that you get nothing out of Carmona. You get nothing out of Westbrook yet. Um, and, and, you know, you can point a lot of fingers. I would be very interested in seeing what they do at, at, at the manager spot. I mean, I have a feeling that Wedge will be back. Uh, if you don't want to pay Cliff Lee and you don't want to pay possibly Victor and you're dumping DeRosa's salary and you're dumping uh, Betancourt's salary, um, do you really think this ownership is going to pay for two managers? Obviously, Wedge is, is signed for a cut through a couple more seasons. So, if they keep Wedge, you know, next year's shot, they've, they've made that point. But I'm not ready to just concede that 2010 is all of a sudden just totally shot. We're not the Royals. Uh, you know, that lineup is garbage. Next year, if you, if you can get a couple of young guys to have good spring, good springs, and then you, you still throw in a healthy size more, who you hope will uh, actually make contact next season, uh, Chu and AC and, and maybe Valbuena, uh, and, and, uh, and some guys like that, and Peralta can, you know, think, think in April that it's late July, the lineup still isn't that bad. So I'm not ready to say 2010's out. If, I were, if we're in the AL East or the AL West with, with the, the good pitching that Seattle has, and obviously uh, the LA Angels of Anaheim are very, very good, uh, then I would concede it. But I'm not, I'm not going to do that for 2010 just yet. Hey, Craig, I got a question. I, I got a question for you, Craig. In, in, in listening to what what the D's uh, just said, uh, if if indeed what what uh, the King says is true and that he doesn't think 2010's out, how are we supposed to say that this trade is 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 not a throwaway for 2010? Because now, who? Uh, how can you? What kind of pitching staff are you going to be able to field if this division is so poor and indeed we can compete? Who's going to be at the head of that rotation? Well, what are they going to do? 
see, I'm, I'm a born optimist. I will never throw away a season. But at the same time, as I, I was talking to a friend today, the, the idea is, the, the thought is that even though my, my hope springs eternal and I, you know, I always pray for that miracle to happen, there's no way that any logical, intelligent Indians fan could actually predict that this team is going to win the Central. You're, you're, you're guessing that some of these rookie pitchers, these retreads like, uh, like Jeremy Sowers, are actually going to give you something. At least, and, and this is what I was saying in my article today, at least last year when we traded away Sabathia, we knew when we traded Sabathia, Cliff Lee was 11-2. and two. The team was awful, but we knew who the ace was going to be. We knew who was going to anchor the staff. We were hoping for a Jake Westbrook return. Now that Cliff Lee is gone, and we've got, we've got the steaming corpse of Fausto Carmona coming back, <laughs> we don't know if Jake Westbrook has anything left. Anthony Reyes has shown flashes, but he's hurt, you know, Laffey. Wait, we have Tomo Oka heating <laughs> up innings for this, te- this team right now. There's just no way to predict any kind of – even in a weak division – where anybody has a chance, it's impossible to, to predict that the Indians would have a chance next year. And, and going back to what we were talking about, you know, the perfect storm of selling out all those games and everything, that's the real problem. And, and I don't want to get off on, on too large a, a topic with the problem with baseball, but you've got to think if the Indians kind of found their way into the next LeBron James of baseball, if, if out, the next coming of Albert Pujols was here, and let's say it was Grady Sizemore and he didn't have this big regression this year, we still wouldn't be sitting here thinking that ownership would step up and re-sign that guy. We'd be counting the days till he left and we'd actually mean it, whereas in basketball, you know, we know we actually have a chance to keep LeBron James. Well, you know, Craig, Craig I made a point on an email with a couple of uh, Tribe fans, and there's only about 10 or 11 of us that are real fans. Let's be realistic here. Uh, you know, the, 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 the city of Cleveland, uh, my hometown, I love the place. It's all about the Browns, and uh, you know, TD's got the moratorium, and God bless him for that. Uh, the operation is substandard. Um, it's the blind leading the blind in Berea. At, at least with the Indians, I think you, you do get a sense of hope. You do realize that there have been some deals made where they haven't tried to spin it to you and tell you that everything's going to be all right. You know, wait, the wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Breaking news, breaking news. Stop the Indians talk because Mary Kay Cabot is reporting that uh, Rubisky has signed with the Cleveland Browns. I, I'm sorry, I just thought okay, I'd make Can we talk about the Indians again? <laughs> Please. Hit the siren. <laughs> no, my, 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 my point is, is that, you know, I think ownership's not going to fly to check out. Paul Dolan's not over in Amsterdam watching soccer. I think he realizes this is embarrassing. And, and to Craig's point about Grady, and let's say Grady blows up in the next two years and is the Grady of old and is the greatest player of our generation, which is what he was supposed to be, um, they, they cannot let another guy go. Um, now, if Victor gets let go, I'm expecting it. I don't want that to happen, but you expect it, especially with the timing. But like I said, if we get to 2012 and Grady's gone, uh, you, you're going to, you, you know, it could be as bad as it used to be. We were growing up in, uh, in Section 18 uh, of the upper deck of the old stadium. So I, I think that it's hit rock bottom for now. I think too many of the bandwagon fans who got caught up in 07 realized, oh, my God, I love Garko, and, 
and, and Cliff and all these guys, they're gone. I mean, 07 turned out to be a, a slightly, you know, a bit of a fluke. I mean, Kelly Shopik hitting the ball in the gap at Yankee Stadium, that's never going to happen again in a big spot. So you know, I, I just think when you, when you look at it, the organization is doing the right thing. I know what Bill Livingston's going to say. I know what a lot of the fans are going to say. They've been hurting these guys. But you have to hope that Carlos Carrasco turns into Justin Verlander. The Indians are looking up in the division and saying, what, do we don't, what don't we have that these other teams in our division have? And the answer is easy. It's young pitching. The Twins have it. The White Sox with, with Danks and with Gavin Floyd have it. And eventually Pareda. And, uh, and, and uh, even Kansas City, to an extent, has some, has some young arms. So, uh, that, and Detroit with, with Verlander. Um, you know, Porcello, who will pitch this weekend, uh, you know, at, at Progressive Field on a Dolan Field. So you got some, you got some serious uh, young arms, and we don't. So the only way to get them is to trade for them. And if you've seen one thing, they can't draft them. They're not good enough at drafting them. So, uh, you know, you got to trade for them, and that's what they've done. By the way, Craig, did you notice how Bill Livingston stole Regressive Field from you this morning? With no with with no tip of the cap to you or anything, isn't that horrible? I think it's I think no, I think it's a logical jump for anybody, and I didn't come up with it. I think that was a submission by one of our brilliant, brilliant readers. Ah, oh, okay. I thought it was yours. I, I was, and I also still give you cur- uh, uh, credit for witness protection for Shaq. You were the first person I heard with that one too. So <laughs> I just I just stole that one from a friend too. But, uh, oh, okay. I prefer I prefer I prefer I prefer Shaq or Heights myself. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Hey, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so to uh, interrupt here, I, I was serious about that uh, Mary Kay Cabot report. The the post is going up on waitingfornextyear.com right now that the Browns did sign their their second round draft pick Brian Rubisky. Well, Craig, you're talking to two. You're talking to two guys. You're talking to the wrong two guys for for Brown stock. <laughs> I heard. I heard the Browns management threw him the pen to uh, sign the contract, and he dropped it. Is that true? <laughs> no, he can catch. Robisky actually has hands, unlike the rest. Of, unless, uh, unlike Braylon. I think, he run, I think he runs. A, I think he runs a four nine forty, which should fit in with uh, some of the rest of the receivers. No, I'm just nice. <laughs> that, actually, that actually wasn't a bad pick back in the uh, back in April. All right, let's get let's get back on topic. Back to uh, back to the tribe, which which we are talking about. So the um, now that now that I I I hesitate to even bring this up because you know we're talking about it so much today. Giant news comes out of comes out of Boston. I don't think it's really surprising to any of us, but this was this was a, a turning point in my my sports fandom. You know, me growing up as a sports fan, when the Indians lost Manny Ramirez to Boston, I was living in Boston at the time. It was one of the moments of my life where I was finally cast into that role where I had to defend myself as a Cleveland fan. I had to, to bunker down, you know, hunker down in the trenches and, and fight off all those East Coast fans as they were so excited for signing the, the product that we'd raised from the ground up. And now we find out that both their World Series championships in 2004 and 2007 were horribly, horribly tainted. So I'm, I'm having a little bit of struggle with it, too, because I worshipped Manny Ramirez. I hated watching him leave. I hated even worse watching him leave to go to the stupid Red Sox. Um, is, this, is this justice? Uh, I'll let you handle it first, TD. What, what are you thinking today? Well, here's what I think. One, 
Okay, David Ortiz and Mayor Ramirez, they've been outed as cheaters. They're on the, the, the list in 2003. But who's to say that in 2007, I think we can all agree that we believe that Travis Hafner was cheating? I mean, is that safe to say? Do you guys agree with me on that? Yes. I mean, uh, well, you know, he, he, says, he says he didn't, but, I mean, you just... But what does that mean? <laughs> you, you, look at the, you look at the body of work, you look at the actual body, you know? Yeah, so in, in my opinion, everybody was cheating. So really, it's it, that was probably a level playing field. Um, what, what's crazy about Manny is, well, first of all, we wouldn't be having this conversation if Fausto and CeCe didn't wet themselves in, in game six and seven. And if uh, and things could also be different if uh, Skinner waves home Kenny Lofton and Casey Blake does 5-4-3, oh, you know, the next pitch followed by the error. Oh. So, uh, oh. you know, t- t- probably the five sick. worst minute ne- ne- next to uh, the, my, my father passing away, I would put those as about the five worst minutes of my life, watching Skinner not wave him home, Casey five. Five four three, and then the error. I, 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 I mean, so I don't think we'd be having this conversation. The bottom line: everybody cheated, so it doesn't bother me that much. And, and you know, everybody had their chance to, to, to end the curse. In, in 04, Boston did it. In 05, the White Sox did it. Uh, you know, in, in 07, we had our chance and we blew it. So I can't. I, I'm not going to call sour grapes. It is what it is. You know, I'll say this. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes. Craig, uh, Craig and TD, I'll say this about Manny Ramirez. Uh, if he took, uh, you know, performance-enhancing drugs or not, to me it doesn't matter for him. Guy's one of the best hitters I've ever seen. Can spray the ball in any direction. Uh, for David Ortiz, it's pretty simple. Uh, he was a below-average designated hitter with the Twins. Got to the Red Sox, got hot. And then you, the numbers speak for themselves. From that 03 to 07, he was just an absolute masher. And, uh, you know, since then, and I know he hit, I think, his 14th home run today, but, you know, he, he, this was about the time where Ortiz was had about 24, 25 home runs uh, at, that, at that time during those seasons. So, uh, you know, Ortiz, to me, is a lot more guilty than Manny. I know Manny also got suspended this year, but to me, Manny Ramirez, as, you know, a stick figure or now, where he's obviously bulked up and he's older, still a pure great hitter, and I, and I, I can understand because you were in Boston, Craig, apparently, and that was just awful. They were brutal. Real <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely brutal, but to me, Manny's is just a special talent. Ortiz is obvious, pretty much needed these PEDs to uh, make his career. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah, I guess, that's, uh, I guess that's true. I, I, regardless of who's more guilty, though, it just, it, it just hurts my soul that uh, that and and that brings me back to the the Cliff Lee thing, you know when when we lost Manny Ramirez, that was when I said you know never again. I I don't want to. I'm not going to let them talk me into trading away the the greatest player on our team ever again. And then somehow they talked me into it last year with CC Sabathia, and and I I think that's really the crux of the situation this year with trading away Cliff Lee. It's just it's too much all at once, too many years in a row. You just can't. You just can't handle that much loss in, in in talent over the course of two years and expect your fan base not to revolt a little bit. So absolutely <laughs> correct. But, but you but you know what? We are what we are. I mean, this is this is baseball in Cleveland. The mid nineties is never going to happen again. And this this is the system at play. The Red Sox, the Yankees, the Angels, the Dodgers, those big market teams. They can they can watch us 
produce homegrown talent, then when they hit their free agent market, that's where they go. It's just, it's just the way it works. So our talent has to maximize in their years where we're under their control. We have no choice. And once they leave and they're a good enough player, then they're gone. It's just, it just is what it is. And, 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 and Indians fans and Royals fans and Brewers fans, you, just, you, you have to be cognizant of that and you have to realize that that's the situation you're in and you have to deal with it and there's it's never going to change so i mean that's that's how i feel and i'm not i'm not giving i'm not giving into the fight again like my manager i'm not giving into the fight <laughs> well here, here's here's the other thing um these teams that have these big payrolls also have young talent they developed and have brought up to, uh td mentioned the angels we saw ibar and his tourists we saw Jared Weaver. Uh, we saw some young guys that they brought up, Joe Saunders. You know, the Dodgers with Loney and Kemp and those guys. They they sprinkle in the veterans that they've overpaid for, but they also Papelbon. have some guys that have come up. You know, yeah, Papelbon. I mean, the guys that they've, they've brought up themselves and nurtured. And unfortunately, this, the, the drafting has just been god-awful. And throw, it on, throw that on top of the fact that you don't have a – uh, a fan base that is is going through the turnstiles. You're in a you're in a city right now that uh, you know is struggling financially, especially some of these towns in the Midwest. Um, but 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 we're, we're but we're not the Pirates and we're not the Royals. Got to restock, and then you got to hope that the veterans, uh, you know, you know, like Chu and, and Cabrera and these guys continue to get better, and then you can win and also take some luck. And as we know in Cleveland, you don't get a lot of that. <laughs> That's an understatement, I would say. Um, so anyway, I guess I guess that about does it. We've got about ten minutes left, but uh, unless somebody else has another topic, I'll take your final thoughts. I mean, so now that now that it's all said and done, let's let's go ahead. I know it's crazy. Um, there's way too many things to predict. But how many wins would you, if you, if I put you on the spot, which I'm going to do right now, how many wins do you think the Indians take home next year, um, knowing what you know now? I'll let you go first, uh, King Diesel. So. Our own TD can have the last word. All right, check again. Check out the blog. Uh, if you go to waitingfornextyear.com, you look over on the uh, on the uh, right side, you'll see Bench Ben Francisco. Uh, I like to update that as much as possible. Uh, I will be making the trek uh, down to Dolan Field Saturday and Sunday uh, as the Indians, uh, the red, white, and blue, get ready to take on the. Uh, uh, the you know, local nine in Detroit, uh, Jim Leland's bunch, which sits in first place, and who knows how they've lost seven straight road series, but they do get a chance to uh, feast on Jeremy Sowers on Saturday. But anyway, um, next season, Craig, number of wins, uh, you know, you got to hope for 81. You got to just hope that somehow they can be a 500 team and have been, and build some momentum going into 2010. But you know. I, I don't know how you can really predict, like you said earlier, who's going to be in the rotation, who's going to be at the head of the rotation, who's going to play well maybe in August and September. Uh, you know, does Jake West come back and, and show at least at the end of this season that he can pitch next season? Same thing goes for Carmona, who will pitch tomorrow night against a guy who's had a great year for Detroit, Edwin Jackson. Um, so it's hard to say. I think you have to hope for 81. I'm not one of these people that's going to say, they're going to lose 100 games next year. They suck. They traded back-to-back Cy Young. I mean, it'll only get worse, too, if CC and Cliff face each other, Yankees, Phillies, in game one of the World Series. That'll just take the cake. 
um, that would just be brutal. But I'm not one to say they're going to lose 100 games next year. I think there is some talent on the roster. I think there's some talent one through nine. And I think that they've got to – if they're weeding out certain guys now, trading Francisco, fra- uh, trading Darko, if they're willing to get, let go of some of those guys, make it a complete swift house cleaning and get rid of the Sours and the Shopics and the rest of them, that, that it's, it's pretty obvious can't get it done. And there's not that many left now. Um, but, you know, I guess I'll be hopeful that they go 81 and 81 next year and um, and, and try to build off that. And then some of these young guys can come up and, and pitch. Uh, that's still what the name of the game is. It's still about pitching. All right. And, actually, I, I lied to you. I got one more question. I know you're a wedge supporter, but is he going to be here next year to coach them to uh, 81 and 81? Yeah, I would have a hard time believing that if they're so close and Mark and Eric are attached at the hip and finishing each other's sentences, um, that they would pay two managers. But on the other hand, uh, with the fan, I think they've got to sell some tickets too for next year. They already know that who, who, who even knows that they're going to market and if Victor's going to be back. So maybe you appease the fans, who's it's pretty obvious if you read the comments uh, on your website and uh, you know over at the uh, uh, Cleveland.com. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not, but it, the um, you know you read the comments. People hate Wedge, and be, because they think he's Bill Belichick, and you know Eric doesn't dance up and down the aisles of the dugout. He's not a yeller and a screamer. He's not you know high fiving guys in the dugout, and that seems to be what Cleveland wants. The the city wants the sexy guy like LeBron James that that uh, embraces the town. Uh, you know, but this, this is the same fan base that thinks number 19 is coming out of the tunnel in week one. The Lord is not coming back to, to play football. He's working on it. He's working on his finances right now. So I, I think maybe they would hire a young, cheap guy. But you'd almost have to bet that maybe Wedge would be back if he's so close to Shapiro and if ownership says we don't want to pay two guys. All right. Well, and, and I'm, as I said, I, I'm going to give the last word to, uh, to TD here. First, uh, do you think Wedge is going to be here? And second of all, you know, I mean, maybe I shouldn't ask for your prediction, but what are you hoping for? What's the best-case scenario based on what you know today? I'm with King Diesel. Best-case scenario is 81-81. That said, they're going to win 70 games tops because something we didn't mention in a half hour, by the way, was the bullpen, not once. So uh, I think that the bullpen has to show some sort of improvement. I'm not sold that that's going to be, you know, they're, they're, again, they're stockpiling young arms, but something's got to be figured out there. Uh, at least you do have a decent closer in Kerry Wood, but I think 70 to 75 games is, is probably the most realistic th- thing they can do. Uh, is Wedge going to be back? You know, I, I agree with the they don't want to pay two managers thing, but they have got they can't sell Wedge to, to this fan base again. They can't. They absolutely cannot. Wedge will not be back, and they're going to go on the cheap again. They'll you know bring up Tori Lavello or whatever to, to to be the manager. So that's my prediction. And guys, I actually I got to run, but thanks for having me, Craig King Diesel. Always a pleasure. All right, yeah, guys. Thank you as well. And. Uh... As always, make sure you log on to waitingfornextyear.com every day. Uh, We update at least hourly, if not more. And uh, right now, live on the site, you can see that uh, we already have the the quick post reporting the the Brian Rubisky signing. So for Craig, King Diesel, and TD, that's all we got. Later.